0: At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. I, um, I said to you that um, God's going to do something significant in our lives this year, and He is. He's already started. And so I'm doing this series of teachings under this theme: "Believing God for the Best." Believing God for the best. Believing God for the best is the title of this series, and and I said to you that your best days are ahead of you. Now, when I talk about your best days being ahead of you and believing God for the best, those are not motivational slogans. And Pastor is not a motivational speaker. As your pastor, I am a prophet, I am a priest, and I am a preacher. And I can speak into your life those things that God gives me to speak into your life. The problem for some people is that rather than being church, they are satisfied with playing church. That's an awful way to live because one day, it'll probably be too late, you're going to realize that you will have wasted your life and you're not going to be able to reclaim it. It's a tragedy. But for the person who is taking God serious and who takes their walk with God sincerely, I'm saying to you that your best days are ahead of you because God is constantly working in our lives to purpose for us to be what he always wanted us to be. And becoming what God wants you to be does not happen by accident. It happens because we participate with God. So there are spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Everyone shout, spiritual disciplines. There are spiritual disciplines that we need to exercise And as we exercise those disciplines and as we live our lives in sync with God, God does a beautiful work, a beautiful work in our lives. The first discipline I spoke to you about was listening to the voice of God. God speaks, we have to listen. The second discipline that I spoke to you was about the discipline of the baptism. What does it mean to be baptized? That's one of the ordinances of the church. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the discipline of celebrating the Lord's table. Celebrating the Lord's table. The discipline of holy communion. And the purpose of this teaching is so that you'll never take communion again lightly or take it just thinking you're going through the motion of a ritual, but it has deep significance for our lives. With that in mind, I'm going to teach you from the Word of God. I'm a preacher who still believes in the Bible. So what I'm going to share with you is coming from this holy book. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26? And I'm going to start reading with verse 26, Matthew chapter 26 and I'm going to start reading with verse 26 let's stand for the reading of the word of God Matthew chapter 26 beginning with verse 26 we're also going to look at a passage in 1st Corinthians Matthew chapter 26 verse 26 are you there the word of God reads like this and as they were eating Jesus took bread blessed and broke it And gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Are you there? The word of God reads like this. For I received from the Lord... That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes you may be seated in the presence of the Lord I'm going to teach today about celebrating the Lord's table celebrating the Lord's table the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of the lord will stand forever god we thank you for your word <clears throat> i'm teaching about celebrating the lord's table the celebration of the lord's table The celebration of Holy Communion is a centerpiece of the Christian faith. For every time we celebrate Holy Communion, we are reminding ourselves of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we do so with understanding when we do so with understanding, then the living word and living worship come together to release into our lives the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The early church celebrated Holy Communion on a daily basis. Every day, they took Holy Communion. And the reason they did so is because of the significance that it had for their lives. You see, beloved, the Christian faith, when it was inaugurated, it was not recognized, as it is today, as a faith of integrity and authenticity. But the early believers in Christ were looked upon as a cult, a cult, or a sect, S-E-C-T. They were not looked upon as people that were doing something that was spiritually legitimate because what they did when they engaged in their faith in Christ there was a breakaway from traditional, the traditional Judaistic faith. Here were a people who were proclaiming Christ as the Messiah, putting their faith in a man who had been crucified on a cross outside the city gates of Jerusalem. Crucifixion on a cross was one of, if not the most, Shameful and horrific death that a person could experience. They were putting their hope and trust in a man who had been buried in another man's tomb. They were proclaiming that this same man, crucified publicly on a cross, buried in another man's tomb had gotten up from the grave. The Bible says that Jesus showed himself alive for some 40 days among the believers. And they were going about declaring their faith, their hope, and their trust in Jesus Christ. They refused to say, Curio Caesar. They said, we will only declare Curios Christ. They were going about sharing this faith with others, proclaiming this gospel, laying hands on the sick, people getting healed, saved, delivered in the power of the resurrected Christ. And because of this, these early believers became martyrs for the faith many of them lost their lives because they wouldn't abandon their faith in Christ. They suffered, they struggled, they had to deal with persecution and pain. It was a a serious struggle for them to be followers of Christ. But when they celebrated Holy Communion, it reminded them of the one who had Suffered and bled on a cross, who had been buried in another man's tomb, who got up from the grave with victory. So they lived with this assurance that because we belong to Him, whatever our lot might be, we live with a hope that time can't take and death cannot diminish. The cross was a symbol of suffering and shame, but what had been a symbol of suffering and shame became a symbol of our faith and our victory. And so the first revelation that we receive about taking Holy Communion is that when we take Holy Communion, it is a celebration of victory. It's a celebration of victory. In, Ro- in the book of Revelations chapter 12 verse 11, the Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives unto death. It has to do with our victory in Christ. A victory not given, but a victory secured in the death of Jesus Christ on a cross. Jesus Christ is there on Golgotha's Hill on a place called Calvary and there he is crucified not in a cathedral between two candles but on a cross between two thieves. And in the midst of his dying Jesus is heard to say, "It." is finished father into thy hands I commit my spirit dropped his head and the locks of his shoulders and gave up the ghost it is finished he never said I'm finished he said it is finished beloved what is finished I'm glad you asked What is finished is that our redemption has been secured. What is finished is the price has been paid. What is finished is God is satisfied because our God in his sovereignty, he's a God of love. So he loves us in spite Of our sins and in spite of our faults and failures he's a God who wouldn't give up on us because he loves us with an everlasting love but while he's a God of love and mercy he's also a God of holiness and justice and what is holy about God will not allow him to look at our sins turn his face and act like he didn't see what he saw what is holy and righteous and just about God, God says it has to be satisfied. So somebody's got to die in order for humanity to be redeemed. So the Bible in Hebrew says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, gave his life, that we might have life. That's what was finished. It is finished. The prodigal son can come home. It is finished. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. It is finished. We have been reconciled. To our God and to our Christ, it is finished. Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. Dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders, he gave up the ghost. Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus said, angels, get my mansion ready. I'm on my way back home. That's not the sound of one who has been defeated. That's the voice of one who is victorious. And because he's victorious, you and I are victorious. Beloved, we have to engage sometimes in spiritual warfare, but we are not fighting for victory, we are fighting from victory. Come on, look at somebody, tell them, I've already got the victory. Victory is mine, victory is mine, victory is mine today. I told Satan, get behind me, victory is mine today. The word, the word Eucharist, the word Eucharist, when we take Holy Communion, we are participating in the Eucharist. And the word Eucharist comes from a Greek word called Eucharisto, and it means to give thanks. So every time we have Holy Communion, it's the time to give God thanks. The early church took it every day. Now today, there are some churches that take it uh, every week. Sometimes people take it at special occasions, In our tradition, we take it every month, once a month, on the first Sunday of every month. But whenever we take it, it is a high worship experience. Taking Holy Communion is not something, if you're saved, that you say, well, it's okay if I take it, it's okay if I don't take it. No, no, no. I thank God for the privilege I take God, thank God for the honor to take holy communion, because every time I do it, I'm reminding myself, <coughs> it's a time of celebration because I've got victory. It's a time of thanks. It's a time to give God high praise. It's not a solemn event. It is a joyous occasion. Praise His name. As a matter of fact, right now, although we're not having communion today, we'll have it next Sunday, but even right now, just to think about what God did for us in Christ, just to think about what he did for us on the cross, just to think about what it commemorates, maybe we just ought to pause right now and give God a crazy praise. Give him a praise. Come on, give him a praise. God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, give him a praise. For God so loved the world that he did something. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Give him a praise. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. The celebration of the Lord's table, the celebration of the Lord's table is a proclamation of redemption. The celebration of the Lord's table is a proclamation of redemption listen to what Paul said again in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26 for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes it is a proclamation of redemption redemption you and I are not just ordinary people no we are Christians. We are the people of God. Ain't nothing ordinary about us. Look at somebody again tell them, said I ain't ordinary. Mm-mm. Come on look at him again tell him I'm a child of the king. Yeah, ain't nothing ordinary about me. I'm I'm a child of the king. I am an ambassador Of Jesus Christ I am God's representative in the world I am I am God's signature that he can change people's lives and when you talk about the kingdom the church is not just an institution among other institutions no the church is God's witness in the world this building is not the church. This building is where the church gathers. We are the church. And what we represent is the kingdom of God, the Basilea. And the kingdom of God is present and it is future. It is existential, it is present because everywhere there's a man or a woman who has surrendered and submitted their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom is present. Because you and I said we surrender Jesus. We submit our lives to you. So the kingdom of God is present in our lives. And although we live in a troubled world, so often we are uttering the words of Marvin Gaye, what's going on? In Louisville, Kentucky, young black men are killing young black men every week. And I just came back from Memphis, Tennessee and it's worse in Memphis than it is in Louisville right now. I stayed downtown, they told me be careful if you go outdoors because there is something crazy going on where young black boys are killing each other at such an alarming rate that you're afraid to go outside. That's a troubled world. And it's not just Memphis, it's not just Louisville. What I just said is happening in just about every urban city across this country. And it's not just something that happens in the African American community. There are a plethora of problems that are taking place in this nation and around the world. And it would be so easy for us to become pessimistic, nihilistic, become hopeless, fall into some kind of depression but we do not lose our hope up above my head i hear music in the air there must be a god somewhere and the hope i live with is a kingdom that's just not present but it is a kingdom that is to come for you may not believe it, but I believe Jesus is coming back. I don't know when, but I know He's coming. And when He comes, everything will be all right. When He comes, the crooked road's gonna be made straight. When he comes, the rough places gonna be made smooth. When he comes, the lions gonna lay down with the lamb. When he comes, the wicked gonna see some troubling and the weary gonna be at rest. When he comes, we going to a city where there's no death, no dying, no sickness, no sorrow. This coming Friday, I'm going to do the service over the life of Eugene Colston. I don't know how many funerals I've done attending my own mother's funeral but when I do his service Friday I will remind myself that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for me to live is Christ and to die is gain and when this earth the house of this tabernacle shall dissolve, I got another building not made with hands eternal in the heavens. I remind myself that Jesus says in my father's house are many mansions and I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am there you shall be also. So there's a kingdom that is to come. don't you get weary, don't you get tired. There's a bright side somewhere, child of God. And this this is our message. This is our message. And I know you may say well pastor, I'm, I'm not a preacher but beloved, every time we take holy communion it's not just pastor preaching, but collectively. All of us are proclaiming a message when we take holy communion because we are saying to the world that there's a God who can still save and who's available to change your life if you will just put your hope and your trust in him. And that's why we cannot play with this that's why you can't treat Holy Communion like it's just a ritual exercise that you go through somebody needs Jesus and it's our privilege to point them to him and to tell them he ain't available for some he's available to all the celebration of the Lord's table, it is a declaration of our dependence on God. We need him. Yeah, I I need Jesus. Some people may feel like they can live without him. I don't feel that way, y'all. I need him. I need him I need him badly I needed him yesterday you know what I need him right now can I tell you something else tomorrow hadn't got here yet It it ain't got here yet but if I see tomorrow you know what I'm going to need him. Because the Bible says we live, move, and have thy very being in him. Now, those of you who are students of the Bible, you know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what is called the synoptic gospels. The first gospel written was Mark. Mark. And Matthew and Luke took their cue from Mark, so that they're called synoptic because all of them present the gospel in a similar kind of fashion, telling the same stories. So they're synoptic, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them connect with the celebration of Holy Communion as the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples as he was making his way to Calvary. But John's gospel, the fourth gospel, is different from the synoptics. John's gospel is different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And yet, in his own way, John talks about Jesus' life as being that bread that was broken and that that that, that blood that was shed, that the wine was like the blood that was shed. Where did I read that, Pastor? You read it in John's Gospel in chapter six. Let me remind you how you got it. Jesus took a boy's lunch and fed 5,000 plus people. The people became so enamored with the miracle of getting the bread that they wanted to make Jesus quote, unquote, their king. But Jesus saw through the shallowness of their desire. Je- Jesus says, you don't really want me to be your king. You just caught up in the fact that I put some bread in your stomachs. So Jesus got in a boat, passed the pis to make his way on the other side of the lake, And the people were so enamored with him and crazy about it, they ran around to the side and caught up with Jesus because they didn't want to let him go. When they caught up with him, Jesus busted their bubble and said, you don't really want me. That ain't ain't what you really want. What you really want is what I do for you. No, no, you don't want me to be your king because if you want me to be your king, then I'm going to tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to eat of my flesh. You're going to have to drink of my blood. And the folks started saying, what is he talking about? Does he want us to participate in cannibalism or something? So in John, in John chapter 6, verse 60, it reads like this. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? In verse 63, Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But the crowd, there was pressing Jesus, hearing what the requirement was, you got to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. The Bible says they said this is a hard saying, and they decided to follow him no more. Some people won't follow Jesus because they understand it's going to bring about a requirement, there's a commitment that you got to make. Jesus turns to the disciples and says, Will you leave also? They said to Jesus, to whom shall we go? You alone have the word of life. I asked you this morning, what do you want out of life? <clears throat> What's your aim? What's your goal? What's your highest passion and pursuit of life? Here we are, gathered In this sanctuary on this Lord's Day what do you want from God why are you here what is it about Jesus that attracts you are you here because you want him to help you to be successful are you here because you want fame and fortune Are you here because you want God to add to your materialistic gain? Is that really your aim in life? The Christ I know says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? There's nothing wrong with having a nice house, nothing wrong with driving a nice car, nothing wrong with having uh, a retirement, nothing wrong with being financially uh, blessed in life, nothing wrong with that. We are not called upon to embrace an ideology of poverty. No, we're not. Because you can't help nobody if you ain't got nothing. But... But you ought not let materialism (coughs) become your chief aim. And I would behoove you the next time you have a friend or loved one to die, don't stop at the funeral in the sanctuary, go on to the cemetery. So you can be reminded that ain't nothing going in the ground with them. it's all gonna be left here I'm 68 in March I turn 69 and I consider the fact that most people don't live to be as long as my mother lived which is 90 she lived to be 97 so if I'm 68 getting ready to turn 69 I could possibly have on this side of the river maybe another 30, maybe 35 years, maybe only God knows. But one thing I do know, 35 more years ain't long. What I do know is my yesterdays are longer than my tomorrows. And you better come to that conclusion for yourself so you don't waste your days. And I don't know what you want out of life, but I want to be a Christian. That's what I want. I wanna be the best husband to my wife I can be. I wanna be the best father to my son I can be. I wanna be the best pastor to you that I can be. I wanna be the best friend to you that I can be. I don't know what you want out of life. I wanna help somebody. That's what I want. I I like that song y'all sung before I got up. Glory God. Get glory out of my life. Let your name be manifested out of my life. I don't want to waste my days. I want my life to count for something that brings hope and healing, deliverance, strength, power to somebody else. Martin Luther King Jr. put it like this. He said the most prevalent question anybody can ask is what are you doing for others? every time you take hold of communion, it's a reminder that we are dependent on Jesus. Because I'm saying to God, the only way I can be what you want me to be is God, I need you to help me. Because in and of myself, God, I can't get there. But if you help me, I'll become what you want me to be. And whenever the devil's trying to stop me from being all God wants me to be, I tell him, uh, you ain't looked at me real good because I ain't doing this on my own strength. You ought to look at me, enemy. There's blood all over me. I'm covered by the blood which means my victory is guaranteed so every time you knock me down I don't just come back to where I was I go higher the things that were supposed to stop me just pushes me on a little farther Every test I go through becomes my testimony. Woo, Jesus. I wish I had somebody that knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Celebrating the Lord's table, it is, it is a celebration of victory. And celebrating the Lord's table, it is, it is a proclamation of redemption celebrating the Lord's table it is an acknowledgement that we need Jesus need him every day need him every hour of the day but the celebration of the Lord's table is also a time for self-examination it's a time for self-examination look again at first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 27 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 27 Paul says therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup it's a time of self-examination beloved we we come to the table for forgiveness we 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 have the lord's table it sits out there in the hall and uh, the deacon said to me at our last meeting they said pastor <clears throat> on lord's supper can we do something that brings back before the congregation how serious this is because we used to pass out the bread and the wine and in our being so contemporary and trying to be so modern (laughs) we, we have maybe been guilty of removing some things that keeps before us a spiritual consciousness. The table no longer here will give you the communion coming in for the sake of time. So I told the deacons starting next Sunday when it comes time for the Lord's Supper they'll all be dressed in black and white with suits. They're going to march down the aisle. They're going to sit, they're going to sit down front but I think Brother Mills and Brother Holcomb along with that it might do us well to at least bring the table back in here let it sit there on the first Sunday even though the people will have received communion coming in the table the table the table is in visual eyesight because when I look at that table, I'm reminded that it calls upon me to do something. And what it calls upon me to do, one, is you need to forgive somebody. who are you holding out against today who is it that you don't like who is it that you're in disagreement with who is it that you haven't reconciled yourself with who is it that you got a negative attitude and disposition you're not hurting them spiritual news bulletin you are hurting yourself you got an albatross around your neck teach me Jesus how to pray well Walter when you pray say forgive, me, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against Jesus treat me like you see me treating others if you need forgiveness then you ought not withhold it from somebody else the table is a reminder that we need forgiveness so we ought to be willing to forgive The table is a reminder that we come for cleanliness. We need to be cleansed. And I know that Jesus' death on the cross has satisfied God. I know he has forgiven me, not for just the sins of my past. His death at Calvary satisfied the sins of my past, my present and my future. I'm fully aware of that. He ain't gotta die no more. But at the same time, because I don't take grace for granted, then I know that I still have some faults and failures. I still miss the mark. So when I come to the time of Holy Communion, I gotta pray like David. Forgive me, O God, of my sins. Create within me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in my life. I got to pray like David. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And if you find any wicked way in me, don't leave me where you found me, but take me to higher ground. And let's, beloved, not play a game with God Don't you know he knows? He knows what you did behind the door. He knows. So you don't have to say, God, if by chance. (laughs) Ah, If by chance I did something. Look at somebody and say, go on and fess up. And when you make your confession don't be general about it tell him what you did and then ask him to forgive you and what I love about God he's always willing to show us mercy his mercies are new every day and it's because of his mercies that we're not consumed John in his gospel says if we confess our sins he says Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad about it. Well, I don't, I don't want to hold you too long, beloved. But uh, can I tell you one more thing about celebrating the Lord's table? I told you that it is a celebration of victory. I told you that it is a proclamation of redemption. I told you that it is a recognition of our dependence on Christ. I told you that it is a a call for self-examination. But number five, celebrating the Lord's table, it is a place of healing. It is a place of healing. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, God is healing us. Because that's what it means to be saved. To be saved, to be redeemed, to be delivered means that God has healed us. Healed us of the sickness of disease. And none of us are worthy None of us are worthy. We we are not saved because we had anything to bring to God. It's all about what he brought to us. There is no self-righteousness that we offer him, but it is a righteousness that he declares over our lives because of what he has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ and I I would behoove you beloved every now and then you ought to sit down and just read Isaiah chapter 53 verses 1 through 6 and when you read it it'll make some tears run through your eyes if you read it it'll make you shake when you understand how far God went to save a wretch like us who has believed our report And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. were you there when they crucified my Lord were you there when they put the nails in his hands and his feet were you there can you hear the hammer ringing sometimes it makes me want to tremble look at him Jesus Son of the living God. Look at him being marched through a wicked judgment hall. Look at him having received 39 lashes on his back, a crown of thorns on his brow, spat in the face, a purple robe on his shoulders, being mocked and made fun of. Look at him. Then they took the robe off of him, had him in his own clothes, Look at him, The cross placed upon his shoulder, marched up the Villa Del Rosa, blood running down his back, blood running down his face, blood running down his chest, falling down and getting up so weak from having shed so much blood. Look at him being marched up the Villa Del Rosa. Look at him on Golgotha's hill, nailed to an old rugged cross look at him hanging between earth and heaven look at him dying for the sins of a lost humanity look at him he died till the Sun wouldn't shine died till the moon dripped away like drops of blood died till stars fell like leaves from a fig tree died until the earth had a cosmic fit and vomited up her dead. Died! Till a soldier couldn't take any more. And he said, Surely this must have been the Son of God. Can you see him? He died! Not for his sins, but for ours. And they took him down from that cross, buried him in another man's tomb, and all of the hopes and all of the aspirations of the disciples went in that tomb with him. All looked like it was lost Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night. It looked so dim, it looked so dark, it looked so hopeless. Sunday morning. Yes, Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. Sunday morning, he became the hero of Calvary. Sunday morning, he said, there's a highway to heaven. Sunday morning, he said, paradise is prepared. Sunday morning, he became the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. So now he's got a name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, one day every knee's gonna bow. Every tongue's gonna confess that he's Lord to the glory of God. But I'm not gonna wait till my feet strike Zion to give him glory. I'm gonna bow right now. I'm gonna praise him right now. I'm gonna stand on my feet right now. I'm gonna wave my hands right now. I'm going to exalt his name right now why pastor because at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day Am I by myself? Anybody else happy? Anybody else got joy? And this joy that we have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. The people represent the church and no matter where we are, so stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.